Buy now, pay later. Is it a force for good or in need for heavier regulation? Whether you're team love or team hate, join the buy now, pay later debate at our After Dark event on Tuesday, the 15th of December. Get ready for a gripping debate followed by networking and the chance to win some awesome swag during our virtual bingo. Head to bit.ly forward slash December After Dark to secure your seat now. Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Adam Davis. In England, we've just entered our second national lockdown, as have many other countries. Uh, in today's show, we're going to be taking a look back at what's happened during and since the last larger lockdown and the lessons we've learned as an industry that can help us going forward. Uh, to help us deep dive into this topic, I'm joined by some uh, awesome, awesome guests. Uh, first of all, returning to the show, we have Simon Curton, who's the CEO of Funding Options. Thanks for joining us, Simon. How are you doing? Very good today, Adam. Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah, pleasure. Good to have you back. Uh, and making uh, her FinTech Insider debut, no less, we have Jana Lavova, who's the head of FinTech for Europe at Visa. How are you doing, Jana? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited and looking forward to this. Uh, it's a pleasure. Can I ask a little bit about, uh, or do you want to give us just a very, very brief overview of what you do at Visa? Yeah, so I should start. I've been with Visa for nearly 15 years. I mean, not doing all this, not, not doing the same job because I, I'm sure like it would be like, how could you do that? But I've been, I've been for various roles. But in the last three years, I've been lucky enough to, to work and focus on fintech clients and she worked with fintech clients and helped them to partner and work with Visa in an easier way. I was one of the founders of our program, Visa Fast Track program that, that allows fintechs to connect to Visa, to connect to our network. Uh, to benefit from our products and services and 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 the expertise, and we also actually connecting the fintechs to other partners within the ecosystem as well. Cool. All right. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, and last but not least, we have James Smith, who's the director of Nationwide Digital. Uh, James, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Awesome. So we've got a great set of guests, and let's get on with the show. So. Um, I suppose uh, really what I wanted to, um, I suppose, cover today, we've got sort of three areas, uh, sort of a retrospective look back, I guess, of obviously the first lockdown, a little bit around working from home, and then some, a little bit at the end, probably about the opportunities that the lockdown has provided for financial services in the, and the industry. Starting with, I guess, a little bit of a retrospective lockdown, um, I suppose uh, what I'd be really interested in knowing is where you think, I guess, the biggest pivots in the industry have been up to this point. So, you know, we, this has been lasting us, I guess, um, sort of the last, I suppose, eight months or so. And I was just kind of interested in understanding where where you think, you know, p- potentially for you and your organizations, where you've seen things change. And then also from an industry perspective, where you've seen sort of the biggest pivots. We'll start with James. Do you want to start with yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, okay. I guess just by way of a bit of context then. So my job at Nationwide is I look after digital, so kind of digital lock, stock and barrel. So internet bank and app and all of our digital sales channels and basically anything that involves us presenting things digitally to members is is what I look after uh, open banking as well and then just for a bit of fun I've had a bit of a side hustle for the last six or seven months where I I co-ran our incidents in response to COVID so me and one of my colleagues basically did kind of week on week off which when we were right in the height of the crisis and things were moving all the time um, it was a pretty intense period. Um, so I guess hopefully I can, you know, I can certainly give you a perspective from a nationwide perspective. Um, I guess, so how's stuff changed? 
Um, right, I'll, I'll give you an alliteration. Okay, uh, so <laughs> sympathy, speed, and simplicity. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, and, and I guess if I just sort of bring those out a little bit, first of all, COVID has just been a yeah, it's a massive human crisis, right? This is people ill or worried about being ill, losing their jobs, um, not having any financial certainty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like one of the first impacts that we had was you know, hundreds of thousands of members contacting us, requesting payment holidays on on loans and uh, mortgages and so on and so forth. So we had to quickly get around that and create a, a, a process that was simple, quick, but also one where, where yeah, which was a tech angle, but then also yeah, our, our rules, we had to be sympathetic to people, like, you know, and, and basically cut people a bit of slack in a world where no one quite knew what was going on. So there's a massive rush to digital and some sort of really big decisions to take on the back end of it, which is the sort of member side of it. And then internally, um, we went from being an organization where 90% of the people were working in an office somewhere through to instantly people working remotely and all of the sort of travails that go along with that you know so i ran a, a six-week laptop rollouts program to get all of the people in the contact center up and running because otherwise we weren't going to be able to serve members so it was you know massive digitization and then a massive remote enablement piece for our for our colleagues awesome and i guess um i mean i'll come back to certain aspects of that in a little bit so simon from a fintech perspective i suppose for you um do you think that you are, I suppose, better prepared? I guess for you know going immediately into remote working. I know a lot of a lot's been talked about uh, the strides that some of the incumbents have made. You know, James uh, detailed it really well there in terms of turning their business models to to remote first. But for you, was it sort of I guess more natural? And 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 what were some of the considerations that you went through? Yeah, so I mean, definitely uh, empathise and, and and understand exactly you know what James is saying there. So for us. Um, the one thing that worked seamlessly actually was that transition into um, you know working from from home. So you know we're already digital native, if you like. We have the equipment, so everybody who works for funding options uh, uses a laptop. So we were able to transition very quickly from the office environment to the work environment. Clearly, there are other considerations around security, GDPR, you know, all of that good stuff that has to be borne in mind. Obviously, working, you know, moving from uh, an office in London to an apartment in London isn't really a GDPR concern per se, but you know you've got to bring everything into uh, into consideration. So we moved really seamlessly uh, into remote working, which was great. Um, your original question, I think, around you know what are the what what are the changes that we've seen been? I guess talking about the SME finance sector. Um, maybe we'll come on to that because there's a you know there's a lot to say I think around you know what's happened in our sector what's happened across the ecosystem, but I think what we've seen uh, certainly has been an acceleration in digitization across the board, and I would say um, due to the pressure of the situation a lot of uh, us have been under and I'm sure the you know the other participants on the call would agree there's been a lot more uh, agility a lot more, arguably, a lot more innovation and a lot more collaboration. Uh, and maybe we'll come on to those themes, uh, you know, in due course. 
Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I was going to, I was actually going to reference, um, you know, if you look at some of the startups uh, and the small fintech, well, I shouldn't even say small anymore, but if you look at you know, companies like iWalker or Encino, they've they've really uh, focused a lot of their innovation on facilitating, I suppose, the credit pipeline across the past few months, um, which has been really interesting to see. And some of that has been a pivot, some of it hasn't. I was going to wonder from, from Jana, from your perspective as well, working in an organization like Visa, um, where have, or, or have you seen, uh, I guess, uh, a significant pivot in the way that you guys operate and you guys, I suppose, uh, not just from a, a customer you know, call, call center perspective, but obviously within the ecosystem that, that you personally manage. Have you seen sort of any pivots within within your world that have you know, specifically been uh, catalyzed by the, uh, by the crisis? Yeah, and I just, if I can start maybe with like kind of securing visas operations. So we are a technology company. So we, we have robust operational resiliences in place and, and measures and more working from home. So, so we just kind of use some of it we had, had in place already and had to maybe kind of move it to slightly different scale because it is true. We've never, never before we had almost everyone working remotely and working from home apart from a critical staff and the critical staff would be the staff that is looking after our network and uh, cybersecurity, some of those teams and, and, and maybe some facilities teams. So, so th- those were the ones that still needed to. But other than that, like working remotely, uh, so kind of keeping visas running wasn't, wasn't a massive challenge or it was something that actually we were pre- prepared for. We had to make some adjustments and we can talk about it, some kind of how do we support that homeworking? How do we make sure that we, we kind of are improving on the communication platforms we, we provided to our clients? We actually had Visa, like you, working remotely, we could do it, but we had to almost like whilst not compromising on security, allowing certain things so we don't have to log in like thousand times to actually be able to do something. So on that side. And then obviously the biggest focus for us was how do we help to your point this this the entire ecosystem, everyone who's connected to our network, how do we help them respond to these challenges and and all the movements that happen much faster than we anticipated. This move to digital, uh this this move to contactless and and the move like the move from uh, from cash and and actually also disappearing volumes overall and and we're probably going to touch on that a little bit later on like how the payments and such work, but I just if if I can say actually what's interesting from our point of view the fintechs did not didn't have such big challenges because a lot of them she already work digitally uh, they they don't rely on physical branches they provide kind of online support so and actually we saw a lot of them have seen a lot of them and still see continuing preparing for launches of their new propositions. We haven't really seen massive slowdowns and we're probably going to talk about it as well. Investments continue uh, to, to flow in or didn't stop rapidly. So so from that sector, actually, it was probably like, yeah, we were reaching out. We were like, if a project needed to be delayed, we were supporting it. But I think it was maybe more from, as we call it, the traditional player or the more established, larger financial mm. institutions where we really needed to, we, we tried to work with them on helping them accelerate and move to digital where they didn't have it. And then maybe the other sector that I would like to point out would be the small businesses and, and the, the sellers, the retail, where things, the people that were not ready to sell online, we, we really need to, we needed to kind of gear up and, and try to support them and, and find solutions really quickly. It is interesting. The um, I suppose the 
the focus on you on digitalization, I guess, and, and that move to being able to serve any customer anywhere um, has sort of put, put in focus new business models on certain companies that are, I guess w- were potentially remote first originally, but has certainly helped their market cap no end. And I, and I guess what, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, um, like what's one of the what, one of the things that have come out of the pandemic where you've just been like, wow, like that company has just absolutely nailed it, even even in so far as they haven't. Uh, they haven't necessarily pivoted their business model or anything like that, but they've just been so, you know, so benefited so much from what's happened. And I'll give you the example, you know, the, 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 that's obvious is uh, Zoom's market cap, which has just, you know, gone absolutely, you know, haywire and is now actually worth more than you know, ExxonMobil in, in market value, which is just incredible, but is so dependent on, uh, you know, news around the vaccine and when the uh, pandemic is stopping and is so volatile because of that, because of that very nature. And I was wondering from you guys, you know, is there a company that you, that, that, that you've seen and you just thought like that's incredible like that's just exceeded my expectations during lockdown as a consequence of what's happened yep <laughs> got many <laughs> examples so i know that wasn't directed any particular uh to any particular party it, it's really interesting because you've got a very diverse group of participants on this call which i think is fantastic um the, logistically the larger companies clearly had a bigger challenge without any question but to yana's point you know from a remote a remote working perspective, maybe the fintechs were more agile. I think, though, that you've then got some very, very different uh, dynamics that come into play. And, you know, we've, we've got a number of partnerships with other fintech players. We've got partnerships with the largest banks in the UK, some of the largest banks in the UK. Uh, we are obviously doing business in the Netherlands as well and have been for the last couple of years. So for us, looking across the sector and across the different international markets, you know, the, the, there's been some very, very uh, significant differences. Um, the lending that we've managed to uh, succeed in achieving on behalf of businesses in the Netherlands has all been outside of government support schemes, all of it. And actually, it's you know remained relatively flat. There have been a few spikes, peaks and troughs, uh, but it's remained relatively flat in the UK we're doing about 70% through the government support schemes and around 30% uh, outside of the government support schemes. And actually, after the first lockdown in the UK, um, you know, the SME finance sector just went into uh, turmoil or meltdown. Uh, and that was for a good two-month period. We won't go into the, I guess, the debates around, you know, the relative advantages of alt- the alternative finance sector versus you know, the banks, et cetera. But I, I have sympathy for everybody because the challenges are so different. To James's point, um, you know, having to grant and understand and process through hundreds, thousands of requests for payment holidays, that's a huge undertaking in itself. Then you've got to be involved in, or you don't have to be necessarily, but then you're involved in Sybils, you're involved in Bibbles, you've got, you know, from a payment firm perspective, you know, Visa's challenge, global firm, you know, payments, uh, effectively keeping the infrastructure going and having to, to, to adhere to the new standards that were required. Um, you know, it's an enormous undertaking. Going back to your original question, there are companies who've thrived. And generally speaking, there's a big generalization. For me, it's been the data companies and the companies that are facilitating access to data. So one example for us would be uh, our partnership with a company called AccountScore. So you've got, you know, true layer account score, played or plaid. Um, you know, they are facilitating a very, very, very uh, necessary service, open banking, 
open banking has actually gone from strength to strength, arguably, uh, throughout COVID, because it has been seen, or, or it is for us, it's an enabler for us to um, uh, uh, source finance on behalf of SMEs. So in providing that service, you know, those companies, and I've spoken to their, you know, their CEOs, I know all of them, and, um, you know, they're doing a fantastic business. Mm. Uh, and a number of other sort of data companies are. Our model is slightly different. And again, I'm sure, you know, with Nationwide and Visa, you know, everybody has a different model. For us, we saw stratospheric demand. But that's great. But it's not so great if you can't satisfy that demand with supply. And for our sector, the supply just disappeared uh, for a good period of time. It's come back through, as I said, a combination of government scheme and outside of government scheme. But the contrasting fortunes and the contrasting roller coaster rides we've all had uh, is incredibly different. And for me, it's just hearing other people's stories. We all think in our you know, confines and our yeah. sector. Imagine if you're sitting in treasury and you've got to manage for every sector across the economy. Yeah. It, phenomenal challenge. And, and, and James, I guess, just, just picking up on one of those points, if we talk about uh, open banking uh, and, and COVID, and I suppose the, uh, if, if there's any synergies between the two, um, for you, how, uh, and I'll be really interested from a nationwide context, especially in the way that you lend and the schemes that you lend in, uh, has, that, has open banking actually helped, I suppose, some of, the, um, some of the credit decisions that you've potentially made over the last sort of six to nine months or helped supplement that um, just because, you know, other avenues to potentially, you know, credit check an SME or credit check a customer just haven't been available? Yeah, I, I guess, so I'll answer that, but I guess more generally, what I've, what I've actually been impressed in, I was sort of thinking a bit about the nature of the question is, well, it's reinforced to me the importance of things that you kind of take for granted. So, yeah, yeah. what do I think, who do I think has done astonishingly well? Supermarkets and the whole supply chain. Yeah. You know, like, and you think about, all businesses are optimized for an assumption about what volume is going to be, no matter what it is. And you squeeze and you squeeze and you squeeze to optimize that. But when there are shocks, it, yeah, that's re a real measure of, of an organization's ability to be able to adapt. And I think in like in general, things, you know, organizations have stepped up to the mark pretty well. From our perspective, to be able to continue to provide service, you know, we relied really heavily on some of the you know, some of the organizations you wouldn't necessarily attribute as being agile in that respect, like Visa, you know, we're, you know, we're sold Visa issuer. That's been massively important to facilitate members being able to buy stuff. Um, whether we're, we're talking about collaboration, I mean, Microsoft Teams, I think Microsoft Teams is a, is a, is a stonkingly good product and the way it has allowed people to carry on. And there's, yeah, there is nothing that we have, that we do typically when we're in the office that we haven't now been able to do working remotely from big deployments to disaster recovery tests through to product launches through to, yeah. And then I guess the really big thing for us is then, uh, which I guess is getting close to your question, is um, is the use of cloud. So some of the stuff that Simon was talking about in terms of, yeah, I suspect how is he and his firm able to operate because everything's sat on the cloud, you know, full DevOps pipeline, can push stuff through really easily. Um, yeah, we, and I suspect Gianni will be as well, increasingly starting to make use of those technologies. We now run some, yeah, some reasonably important workloads on cloud. And our ability to be able to, therefore, keep that pace of delivery, no matter where you work, collaborate, and 
and really importantly, keep that quality up. You know, the level of testing that you can do um, and the quality you can get out. Yeah, we developed, I think, the first payment journeys. It took us about six, seven days to get them from nothing through to production with the same level of quality as we'd normally put. Mm. Um, you know, and we would not have been able to do that without, um, uh, without that sort of technology. And then specifically in open banking, it's um, it, open banking is still it's still quite formative. Uh, like, uh, uh, yeah, if we look at overall volumes, they've been going up. They definitely took a dip in the height of it. They started picking up quite, yeah, quite a lick since then. Um, and I think some of the propositions are still really evolving. And, and where we rely on right now, things like credit decisioning, is we're still into um, some of the traditional players for credit decisioning. But then making use of things such as OCR which allows us, again, if you think of the problem we're trying to solve here is, in that example, how does someone prove they are who they are or prove their earnings? Where typically it would have been taking a bit of paper in somewhere. Well, you know, build a build something that allows you to take a photo of an OCR and push it the workflow, and suddenly you've eliminated that problem. And mm. I think that's some of the other problems, that sort of other um, things that I think Jana was talking about in terms of agility and adaptability there, some of the areas that we've had to, to sort of really focus on. And if I can add to it, there's a little bit as well for me, the wow moment as well is like how the industry got together. I think it's a moment of crisis, including regulators as well. And we have some of these examples when we needed to increase contactless limits and things that we tried to do for several like months and years in certain countries. And all of a sudden, I think across Europe, I mean, it was, it was definitely, it was UK. It was, it was of the markets. We managed to do it within weeks because it made sense. It was the right thing to do. So everyone involved, it was it was our members or our banks, it was the regulators, it was Visa. We all got together and, and did like kind of move something so much faster than we would have done normally. Cool. And uh, Jan, I want to uh, stick with you as well, because uh, just pivoting slightly to uh, remote working, um, we, you talked beforehand around uh, the security challenges, I guess, of everybody suddenly working from home. Um, and I just kind of wanted to ask um, from your perspective and again, from Visa's perspective, how uh, how the company, I suppose, ad- addressed that. So, you know, you're looking at a lot, you know, probably uh, a re- reduction in cash in terms of the way customers spend a lot more uh, flow in theory going through cards. But then, you know, looking at the bigger picture, probably a, a reduction in volume in transactions across the board. How did you, I guess, from a, a remote working perspective, manage to keep up that kind of security and compliance um, level, if you like, to, to, to the regulatory uh, standards that you guys, you know, always subscribe to, even though you guys were working, obviously, from home and that pivot overnight happened so sharply? I, mean, I don't I don't think we really needed to, I mean, change the methods of working because, as I said, I mean, um, if we could talk about like how we store data and not store data, we had all that in place and, and remote work, working didn't necessarily change it because we have all these like securities and making sure that only the right person has uh, connections to it, making sure we don't get hacked when people work. That, that's been always in place. And maybe we just actually trade it up and, and maybe like making things a little bit easier whilst keeping it secure. This is what I alluded to before, because we were like, we're so secure that we can't even, sometimes we joke, we're so, so secure, we can't even send emails, which obviously has improved so far. <laughs> um, and, and like being able to do videos, but we have examples that we're not allowed to have Zoom on our company laptop because that didn't kind of, uh, it, it wasn't proved secure, but Teams were, and we now fully using Teams as our main platform. I mean, I'm just, oh, this is not a paid advertisement, but this is one of these examples <laughs> that, that we've always, like security is is part of what we do, like protecting our network and obviously protecting 
the information that we're working with. So, so we do have expertise, like very strong expertise, and as things got evaluated and and the new new platforms and new technology was adopted as well quite quickly. So now, for me, working from home is actually easier than it used to be before. Like when I when I call it because we have all these like kind of the the platforms, uh, we can we can uh, work together as a team. And it's it's more supported and more adopted than it was in the past. Mm, that's a good point around the actual sort of employee adoption of some of these communication tools. J- James, I just wanted to ask you about this because you said at the beginning you were in charge of the rollout plan of <laughs> of, of the laptops across nationwide. It'll be interesting to get your view in terms of what was the biggest, I suppose, uh, challenges that you got. So you, you've delivered all the laptops, everyone's got one, everyone's ready to roll. And then like, what do you do next? Was it like a, a software challenge? Like how did you get everyone or to corral everyone into of actually using the packages that maybe they hadn't used before. Yeah, I guess just provide a bit of context around this. Like, yeah, bro- broadly, and this is a bit oversimplified, right? In your mind's eye, have have sort of frontline staff and office ad- admin-based staff. The admin-based staff largely were kitted out already, um, right? And and were fine. But let's be really clear about this, right? We we had I think we'd finished. We'd happened to finish rolling out Windows 10 and and Zoom and, and Zoom Teams. Some point towards the back end of 2019, like, and then it struck. That was dumb luck. Yeah, we didn't plan to, <laughs> you know, roll out teams because we knew there was an impending humanitarian disaster. Oh, there's no um, such as yeah. no, no such thing as luck. No such thing as luck. A well-executed well, strategy you, you, is what you want to be yeah, saying. Let's, <laughs> let's call it that. Um, yeah, you know, if this thing had struck six months earlier, it would have been a more difficult challenge. Um, but that, yeah, but what we'd also done again, like talk about prosaic, like, you know, we we'd updated the vpn capability and you know and there's a whole bunch of just surrounding infrastructure that is really needed to make this sort of thing sing so that was all in place what we then needed to do was kit out our more of a frontline staff so yeah hundreds of people thousands of people working in contact centers and branches who couldn't get in call answer rates dropping off a cliff and how do we support that so we kitted out folks with laptops that could work from home taking calls um or dealing with other queries you know um, web chats and yeah, anything that involves interacting with the customers and members um, and that was a real challenge but actually a lot of the challenges sort of human factors stuff that you alluded to it, it, from from the basics of how do I use a laptop because I'm normally used to working on a desktop through to if I'm vulnerable um, and you know I, I've been told to to sort of isolate how do you physically deliver a machine to somebody mm. and get them to log on for the first time and make sure that it's it's you know virus free and all that kind of and now we had to work through this sort of stuff at quite a level of detail so that that not just the technology but the kind of whole mechanics of it worked properly um which but yeah it was an interesting little challenge and 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 you know and and now what which i suspect will be the same for that jan's alluding to right is is this will now start to become more of the norm you know Mm. things will moderate but they won't be you know back where they were because it's not we've had the sort of scales removed from our eyes in this respect. Yeah. Um, and I guess, Simon, an interesting question for you. Um, you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, you know, what was all the fuss about, I guess, like, from a fintech perspective. But it'd be interesting. Do, do you feel, um, I guess, that the industry's, I suppose, reluctance to move to remote working prior to, to, to the pandemic, do you think that was born out of, um, I suppose, fear of, of change or actually just because things worked 
you know, in the way that they were. And I guess, you know, from your perspective, uh, are you now starting to see that incumbents have are starting to reap the benefits of that? Um, you know, because a lot of the things that I suppose differentiate startups in, you know, versus incumbents is, you know, being agile and communication and always being on. And, you know, do you think that uh, fintechs might actually lose that competitive edge in some ways because, you know, the incumbents and, and, and you know, big companies are starting to actually adopt some of those ways of working now? I don't think we'll we'll lose the competitive edge per se. I think I think there just has been a massive shift. So you know, if you look at um, you know, was there a reluctance to really adopt remote working or working from home as it used to be called? It's now suddenly graduated towards um, you know remote working. Um, I think I think there there must have been an element of you know things were working and the office is a great environment and and, and obviously being. I guess, physically near to team members, it's easier uh, perhaps to create the kind of culture that you want for your firm. I think that's something that is going to be an ongoing challenge. How do you retain the culture that you work so hard to nurture? I mean, I have, a, I have an impression of the culture of 11FS, um, you know, firmly imprinted in my mind. And I think that would be quite, it's challenging to retain that. Same thing with funding options, right? One of the fantastic, you know, the, the great things I enjoyed was that sort of open outcry and that camaraderie. And when you're seeing success, it's visible. It's, you can hear it, you know, it, it, it's a great environment to be in and it's really, really hard um, uh, uh, to manage, I guess, how that's translated, uh, you know, now that we're all, we're all remote working, you've got these magic new illnesses like Zuma's cough and all that kind of stuff uh, <laughs> that are coming out of, coming out of nowhere. That was a, a phrase coined by, by our chairman. Um, but the fact is, we're all talking and communicating arguably far more than we ever were before. Mm. I personally believe that pretty much to a T across our company, we're working harder than ever before. I don't know where you all travel into or used to travel into work from, um, but you know, I save a minimum of three hours every single day. So I can now actually do some sports. I get to see the kids at the right time can even take the dog for a walk if, if I have to. Um, and I can work harder because I'm, you know, I will work sort of a little bit later because I know I can leave my office, which really isn't my office. I can leave this room and walk out and I can eat within half an hour rather than having to get a train from London Bridge. And then you know, by the time you get home, it's half past 10 and then you're woofing something down. So anyway, it's, it's a completely <laughs> different world. And yeah. I hope that it, continues uh to to a certain degree uh when things do go back to normal if they if they will go back to normal because i think there's been some inherent advantages but i think what what we've taken from it and benefited from james's firm will have as well and yana's firm will have so i think everything will move forward sort of in tandem uh rather than maybe redressing any gaps if there were any any perceived gaps yeah, and and Jan, I guess one question I was going to direct to yourself um, around, I guess the uh, do you think I suppose because of some of that cultural shift and and new working practices that might stay on, you know, post the pandemic, you know, please got it stopped in uh, in let's say Q one Q two next year. Do, do you see? Um, let's say we do shift to more of a working from home model and, you know, even you, know, you get sort of a 60-40 split either way. Do you, do you think that that might encourage a sort of a more diverse workforce, which I think is um, a really interesting and, and, and potentially really beneficial, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, after effects of obviously of the pandemic in itself. And do you think it, it, it caters for that? Or do you still think that 
some of the, I suppose the old stereotypes that finance in particular gets labelled with uh, will continue. So first of all, finance is not only for for men. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a typical or example of it's not. And yeah. I, I just wanted to say, I know it's a, it's a bit hard, but we actually for Visa, and I, I will. I mean, I'm kind of will say it, and I'm as I said, I'm an example. And we have a European CEO, which, which is a female. And but diversity and inclusion is so important for us. And she, it's it's been we've had it, and and we promoted it, and supported it, and and actually living it uh, across Visa. We've we've done it. For for some time and 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 the pandemics or the the working from home might be helping it but i just wanted to say even before and it's it's not just women as as it's with all these various groups we actually do have support groups and and maybe in in this moment when we can't meet each other in the office uh, we needed to actually we did create like phone calls and phone lines and helplines and kind of connect with someone and we applied even more the flexible working. So obviously adjusting. And I, I think you alluded to like moms that at the same time had to do homeschooling and, and had to do the work as well. And I, I myself don't have children, but I had someone in my team and I said, look, just tell me how you want it to work. You can start and work earlier than switch off or the other way around or just it, it doesn't matter. Just like it's really like I'm not we know the customer support center or something. So for me, it's like when you deliver the results. So, so the flexibility has been always there. I mean, we have it in our policy. Obviously, then it's down to individual line manager how they're applying it. But, but it's definitely there. Uh, it's, it's coming even though we are American or global company. So I know some regions maybe are even actually maybe more stricter on like not working from home and and uh, and kind of working and working really long hours. But, but it's definitely it's. I have to say like for this whole like flexible working. Uh, well-being, making sure that people switch off and switch off at the time that it's right for them. If they want to go for a run at 10 o'clock, that's okay. Mm. And uh, so it's these messages were coming out from our global CEO and and across across Europe and everyone. It's 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 really supported. So I do hope that even it's not just the more working from home, but Visa as an employer and a lot of other companies as well do have created these conditions from women to work and work in financial services. And if, uh, yeah, I definitely can, if, if anyone has any doubts, they should, they should contact me and speak to me. <laughs> awesome. Um, look, we're just going to take a quick pause here for a shout out of our sponsors uh, for this episode. And we'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Jack Henry Digital, the pioneers of personal digital banking. They are reviving the vision of financial institutions being on a first-name basis with customers by offering a platform for personal, human-centered service that puts the customer first. Your customers experience immediate accessibility while your employees get cloud-based, core-connected tools to offer service at the moment of need. To learn more, explore the team's latest insights at jackhenrydigital.com. This episode is also sponsored by Pento, the UK's first automated payroll platform. Say goodbye to clumsy spreadsheets, endless emails with external payroll providers and manual payments. Pento lets you run payroll in just a few clicks. It calculates taxes, integrates with platforms like Xero and makes all the payments and reports to HMRC and pension providers for you. Go to pento.io forward slash insider to run payroll for free for the rest of the year. That's pento.io forward slash insider. We're launching a brand new newsletter. 11FS Unfiltered is a fortnightly installment of hard-hitting opinions on all things financial services. Every fortnight, a brutally honest, no-holds-barred take on a hand-picked topic from one of our experts will make its way to your inbox. 
to hear from some of the brightest minds at 11FS and join the conversation, head to bit.ly forward slash unfiltered newsletter now. Thanks and on with the show. Um, the third section kind of we wanted to cover was all around uh, the opportunities from lockdown. Um, and James, I'll probably come to you for the first uh, for the first question. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about digitization and, you know, a shift to remote working. Um, for you, do you think uh, this was kind of a spike in the way that uh, financial services companies uh you know, change and digitize? And actually, do you see things sort of calming down after this? Or actually, you know, now that uh, I suppose some of the big boys have been sort of exposed to this rate of change and this pace of change, I guess, do you see this as, you know, now being embedded in some of the teams that you manage and oversee? And this is like the new standard of pace that you want to sort of deliver to uh, going forward, you know, again, post the pandemic? Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And cool. So, um, uh, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, I think that we have seen five years worth of digital growth in the last five months. That's my kind of sound bite, which when I'm talking to exec or board around like what the, and it, and this is right across the board. So if we look at um, the sales that we do digitally now versus uh, in branches of other means or the extent to which people are accessing services online or use of contactless and um, that massive uptick ha- has been, you know, partly driven out of necessity and partly driven out of people's choice. Okay, um, it will moderate back a bit, right? The, the rate of change isn't going to carry on, but it won't dip back down, and it will, I suppose, it will moderate to some kind of interim sort of figure. Um, and therefore, what does that mean? Well, expectations are growing in line with usage, and therefore, our rate of change has to be commensurate with that. So, yes. We need to continue to embrace all of the things that it's taught us, but do it in a way that feels a little less frenetic. And um, mm. at times it has. Uh, I don't know about folks on the line, but there's like a, a real sense right now of people slightly clawing their way to Christmas. You know, it's been quite <laughs> tough year. Um, and there's like, right, yeah, people want to draw breath for five and, yeah, and go again in 21, mm. but do it in a way that's a bit more sustainable. Um, uh, and, you know, I think there's been an awful lot of discussion um, within the firm around how we um, make this long term sustainable and, you know, adapting to people's um, personal circumstances, what have you. I think that's all fine. I think it's still a little bit right now in the, you know, this is how I would like it to be rather than necessarily how it is. Mm. Um, and I think that will change over time. And I guess the, sort of the final point I'd make in this is um, I, I think it. In some respects, remote working and what have you has worked because everyone's been at it. I think when we're in this more heterogeneous environment where some people are, some people aren't, how we don't inadvertently disadvantage people in, in, in sort of subtly different ways, I think it's going to take a real, some really careful thought. We didn't think about the setup now because we didn't have time. We just did mm-hmm. it and we made the best of it. When we choose to adopt a slightly different way, really thinking through how that's going to work is is going to be really like an interesting problem to solve and you know it will iterate around a few times um the odd time i've been in the office which is like really like you know it's been a couple of times and i've gone to do something and then i've sat down and then like uh you know it doesn't quite work as well because it's a bit echoey and i have to go and find a room to take a team's call it's all that sort of daft stuff that that we will start to need to work through at scale to then move into whatever a new working pattern might look like Mm. i mean it is amazing to think about uh, you can achieve an increased 
you know, in pace and velocity and efficiency, actually, in, in some respects. But then you can also, you know, back to Yana's point, you can do that around people going for a run at 10 o'clock or as we just talked about during the break, you know, your cat walking over your your top, you know, your, your keyboard. And it's amazing to think about, um, you know, some of the, I suppose, the more uh, flexible ways of working um, can be introduced quite well with remote working just because, um, you know, I, 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 hate, I dare to say people are at their desk longer. But, you know, going back, Simon, to what you said, it means, you know, you don't have to travel and you're actually getting time back quicker. Um, so, James, I suppose, uh, what do you think the, the lasting effects on the workforce, uh, I suppose, might be off the back of this? And, you know, we've talked about culture and potentially sustainability. Um, and how do you uh, how do you think, I suppose, some of those key interactions between people might suffer or, or, or may be heightened because of what's happened? Yeah. So, so I think it's a really pressing point that we will need to, you know, every organisation will need to think really hard into as they start to lift their eyes to the horizon a wee bit more and think about 2021. Um, I think that over the last few months, um, certainly I, and I won't sort of project onto other people, right, but I think I have traded really hard on existing relationships, existing networks to get stuff done. Um, and there's been no need to create the sort of deeper relationship because they've existed through you know, years of working with them. And it's meant that you've been able to do stuff and take certain shortcuts and get stuff done in a slightly more transactional way. And therefore, um, that's fine for now. But if you think about that on a more enduring basis, that's um, the relationships, the culture, the ideas, the inspiration, the innovation, all of that comes from oftentimes people bumping into each other in the proverbial mm. or literal coffee queue uh, and sparking a conversation. Oh, yeah, we should do it. And, and that's the bit. How we translate that into the new way of working is going to be the really crucial part. Mm. And I suppose, Simon, just off that point, have you seen anything or have you experienced anything with probably a much smaller, um, you know, in a much smaller company setting that, that you think actually is a solution for that? Gosh, not not a solution. I think we are grappling with the similar challenges, uh, albeit on a smaller scale. I think, you know, James's points are absolutely bang on the money. You know, it's, it is that sustainability. And the, one of the points that you made earlier, uh, James, actually around, you know, when, when things start to change, uh, and let's assume they will start to change uh, in 2021, when things start to change will actually uh, as, as, as certain people uh, approach working practices, maybe more in, in, in line with what, what we used to before COVID, you know, will there be any um, uh, sort of different treatment, if you like, or, or, or will people's working practices be viewed in any, any different way? And I, I think we really do need to, all of us collectively and, and everybody obviously within their own individual firm, we really need to give that some thought. We need to get the right balance. Uh, funding, at funding options, we're very committed to flexible working. That means different things to different people. And as, as I was hearing Yana talk earlier on and James again as well, um, you know, we talked about the diversity. One of the things that struck me, which I didn't really have an appreciation for before, is, is the number of people that are working for funding options who are, who are not from the UK, right? So people who've come over from New Zealand, from Australia, you know, from the US, from across Europe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and actually this, you know, the pandemic has, has, has really challenged them because a lot of them are living in central London in maybe one or two bedroom apartments. They don't have their family around them. 
And actually, you know, I, I had no idea until I read this recently, and, and you know, I apologise to all Antipodeans around this, but I didn't know that their ability to go back home was being throttled by the government. So there's a limited amount of people allowed to actually go back. And so for me, it was sort of like, well, you know, how how do we deal with with these individuals? You know, we need to sort of almost be there for them to a degree a little bit more as well and and obviously we can't replace family etc but we've seen a number of people because of the prolonged nature of the pandemic and you know we, we've seen a number of people who've, who've decided to actually return home uh we saw a number of people who went back uh you know post the the first lockdown um and started working from the netherlands for example um my wife's from italy and i ended up working from italy for a couple of months as soon as france opened the border it was like quick get in the car and drive um and that's that's taking maybe remote working to an extreme um but guess what i worked i just had a different backdrop and it was really nice to have a different backdrop but i worked really hard and all the other people that have done a similar thing uh, from our firm have done have done the same so i would love to see that embraced um but there obviously needs to be a balance and i think bringing it back to the team culture angle um you know i personally do crave human contact the the first thing i would say is when i went back into the office for the first time the reason was was to see people and to let them know that we're all still around and you know we exist right you do have a tangible team around you um and just maybe a, a very flippant point but i didn't want to do any work because i hadn't seen people for so long you just want to catch up with people Mm. Um, even if you've been on Zoom calls, but invariably they're all around work subjects. So it was quite weird, firstly, seeing people in 3D. Secondly, you know, trying to get that balance right between <laughs> catching up with them. And the 3D thing was, for me, at least it was real. I was like, that's weird. You're did, in you walk, 3D. Did, you, not, did you walk around anyone just to make sure? Sort of put your hand behind there. So, you know, socially distanced hug. It is, is amazing, though, because I've been starting to do um, – I started to introduce something I call the, the Zoom bomb, which is basically you just look up and down your Slack, and if you haven't spoken to anyone in a while, you just you know, you know just Zoom call them out of the blue. And half of them probably had a heart attack when they saw that I was calling. They were, oh, my God, what have I done? But in reality, it was it was great because actually uh, – it, it, but James, going back to your point, it is quite an effort to maintain that and keep it up, especially when I suppose your environment isn't changing. So you know you're always interacting with someone in the same way. Uh, whereas obviously at work you would have a variety of ways of interacting people, you know, in coffee queues, as you said, et cetera, et cetera. But it's interesting. But you know, ke keeping up, I suppose, the velocity of that is really important. Um, I did want to um, bring up one one last point before we, we close. And Yana, I was going to direct this one towards you. Um, from a macro perspective, looking at the banks, um, you know, a lot of the uh, the forecasts, the quarterly forecasts, I suppose that we've we've, we've gone through over the last. Uh, three or so quarters analysts have been predictably pretty negative about uh you know sort of uh, revenue estimates and uh profits and and you know nim projections and all that sort of stuff um i suppose for you uh, do you think that was justified and actually you know given the fact that a lot of the, the bank results in q3 showed uh, a reduction in sort of covid provisions do you think we're coming out of this now dare i say it um fingers crossed and all that um but but do you think that was justified and actually you know are we sort of over it now or over the worst i should say so if you i mean i can obviously talk about the trends in payments overall and what we're seeing and 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 it just kind of uh, we have seen recovery and definitely we've seen recovery if we look at it like uh, kind of payments in the sense of uh, 
like we, we quite often divide it or we divide it in debit and credit. So if you, if you focus on debit in that sense, it's the recovery is there. We're thinking it might be more of a V-shape in payments. And we haven't seen the newest lockdown in Europe yet. But if you're looking at numbers globally, we, we are like starting to see some growth and we're actually starting to get to pre-COVID levels. Credit is not there as much. And also a big difference, obviously, when we're looking at in domestic spend versus international spend. Mm. So the, the travel hasn't picked up neither. So that that's still kind of declining or it's not 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 to the levels as it was. But uh, domestically, it's it's very much close to, to what we've seen because maybe some of the sectors that haven't picked up as much like entertainment and um, uh, like, yeah, and travel, but then domestically, actually, uh, some other levers are going up. And then I think it's an obvious if then we look at um, e-commerce and non-e-commerce, e-commerce levels continue going to up despite the opening up of some of the markets. So I just wanted to say, when we see that the consumer trends or the changes, the shift in the habits are here to stay. So mm. they, they just, they're not going to, if they use uh, online shopping some, one, once or mobile banking or use contactless, they're not going to go back to not using it even if they're not as pressured to do that now. Mm, that's interesting. And, and just maybe quickly on working from, I mean, yeah, well, the, uh, home, working from home for Visa, we, we are probably going to be even more flexible. We're going to allow the mixes. I think the challenge is of like, how do we keep this space? How do we kind of divide or separate the the work environment to to office like it's almost like if you have if you don't have a separate office or if you just work from home it's quite difficult to say now it's my working time and now it's my family time or my personal time but but i think it's once again let's just take the good things that the learnings the positive stuff the flexibility the camera like the virtual connectivity uh supporting each other and and let's just kind of uh, and, and working together as an industry as well and partners and supporting each other and and let's just kind of uh get the best out of it yeah i mean i was going to sort of as a, as a final question i was just going to go through uh go around each of you and just ask i suppose for what's your um your, your one top tip to, to get through i suppose the, the second lockdown and the things that i guess that you've learned from the first one in fact given actually in some of the working practices that you guys have put in place and now uh you know maybe the top tips are things that you can do that you couldn't do the first time around i don't know james i'll start with you is if, you, if you've um if you had the whole of Nationwide's customer support team in front of you right now, and you could give them one one piece of uh, motivational, you know, what one one motivational tip, what would what would it be? I give you two, and I'm not desperately answering your question, but <laughs> I, sort of my I guess my reflections are um, first of all is that we need to be prepared to challenge on on what really is the risk. Yes, yeah, so many things that were deemed to be just treasons before because of risk and inverted commas. When you really unpacked it the risk wasn't there and by properly evaluating that it allowed us to move mountains uh, and the second thing which is frankly more my mantra is is just keeping looking forward because if you can if, if you let your eyes drop you know like it it, it, it can feel that drudge but just keep projecting forward and, and to yana's point really just thinking about the positives and this is not about some sort of yeah sort of happy clappy kind of like you know because everyone's aware of the situation but it, it's about just you know, there is going to be a need for positivity through this because that is what will springboard us to, to you know, a, a better outcome on the other side. Cool. And Simon, I suppose the same question directed towards yourself. 
It's a really great question. Not sure whether to answer it from sort of more of a work angle or a, or a, or a personal angle. I, I, I agree with the looking forward comment that uh, that both Yana and James have espoused. Absolutely, I think. I think we have to try and take the positives of what we've been through. Um, I, I'm an optimist uh, and I do like to look forward and I believe actually that 2021 could be a really, really positive year, genuinely. Uh, we'll wait and see. I think there's, there's definitely two, uh, you know, two schools of thought around that one. For me, I guess more on a personal level, um, I, th I think, you know, clearly the communication aspect. So, so, you know, if I focus on the, um, uh, on the um, the culture of the team. So I think, you know, I love the idea of the Zoom bomb, actually. Uh, we'll probably have to introduce that within funding options. But but keeping up that communication and not being afraid to reach out to maybe the people that you don't talk to that often. Um, uh, you know, other, other members of the team that, that, I mean, I have actually done that across uh, certain areas of the organization that I wouldn't normally speak to them just because if they come into my head and I'm like, right, okay, fine, I've got the facility now to, I can, I can give them a call and see how they're doing. Um, and then I think it is important also to try to separate, you know, that personal and the work. Uh, I'm a bit of a uh, exercise uh, freak. And, you know, I love to get out there and get some fresh air. And I think you can end up sitting indoors within these four walls with the greatest setup, you know, all, all fantastic. But you've got to get out there, breathe some fresh air um, and, and try and find some time to divide the two things. Uh, and Jana, I'll, I'll sort of uh, allow you to have the, the, the closing comments. Is there anything, I suppose, from your perspective, personally or professionally, that you're uh, you're sort of you're, you're doing more of now that you learned within the first lockdown? Yeah, and, and it is actually catching up uh, with with the colleagues a little bit more, and and it's interesting because I mean we, we we would see like you see each other in person normally, but now like really having the regular catch ups and and really kind of maybe even more caring about like their their personal lives as well and and this empathy as well we have for each other. So I think I would, that we should continue having that because we all I mean different situations. And everyone has something going on and then the COVID or this impacted them on a different level. So let's have it and let's have it for us and as partners and clients and, and everyone else. So that's, that's what I'm just, I'm trying to have more empathy going forward. And I'm hoping that we all will have it as well. And so I said in, in the partnership and collaboration, I think we can, we can do, do more and, and I'm looking forward to it. And I know 11F as you facilitate these connections and partnerships as well. So no, we great. do our best. We do our Continue best. Continue doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. That's a nice, nice way to end it. Uh, and that wraps up today's discussion. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. Uh, just to go around you guys, where can people find out more about you? Let's start with James. Uh, well, I'm fully there on LinkedIn, but uh, more about Nationwide at nationwide.co.uk. Cool. And uh, Simon, yourself? Uh, same on LinkedIn and fundingoptions.com is probably the easiest. And Jana? Yeah, LinkedIn as well and visapartner.com. I think that's, that's our global website, so hopefully that's fine. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it is, it is. It's not all good, all good. Um, and you can find me at, uh, at AdamD8 on Twitter uh, or obviously Adam Davis on LinkedIn. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps to make it better and helps for others to find the show. Uh, as always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Uh, just search for 11FS or FinTech Inside. Uh, if you follow us you probably can't get rid of us so we're, we're, all, we're all, all over your timeline uh, or please email podcast at 11fs.com uh, thanks so much for joining uh, and goodbye for now